Hey there, space cowboys and cowgirls. So glad to have you with us on another edition of Florida's Fourth Estate as we have really turned things around in the weather department, Ginger. It's been fantastic outside this week, hasn't it? I don't know if you noticed, but I'm wearing a turtleneck um, without sleeves. It's not a turtleneck with no sleeve. If you got the guns out, it's not really winter yeah, oh, apparel. This is this is my time to shine. This is we get like four days of fall, and this is it. I'm living my best life. Every cold piece of equipment is pulled out of the closet. We are good to go. Um, I'm so happy to be here today, as I am every week with you, Matt. But we have a special guest today who I am super excited about because we're going to talk, you know, your reference with space boys and space cowgirls. Is that what you said? Is that what yeah, you went with? Yeah, don't mess up my reference. Space, space intro, cowboys whatever and Whatever you cowgirls. did. <laughs> <laughs> so we, have, we are honored to have Laura Forsick. She is with a space consulting firm called Astralytical. And when I learned about you, Laura, and saw that you're a space consultant, I'm like, how does one become a space consultant and what do you do? We've had so many big news uh, stories happening from our space coast right now. So speaking of time to shine, I would imagine that you are as busy as you've ever been. Welcome to Florida's Fourth Estate. Tell us what a space consultant does. Thanks so much for having me. So um, basically, it's a fantastic time to be involved in space right now. There's so much going on between the awesome science missions, like missions to, to Mars that we sent in July, and the future human missions to the moon, as well as some of the awesome things that are going on in the commercial space sector, such as SpaceX launching astronauts to the International Space Station, and all kinds of really cool um, advancements that are going on in terms of rocketry, experiments in microgravity, um, just being able to broaden the space industry. So it's not just what you think of when you think of like Apollo era. It's much, much more open and advanced now than it ever has been with these public-private partnerships and international collaborations. So my job is to basically look at the whole space sector, industry, science, and policy, and to figure out how the pieces go together and how to reach our ultimate goals in space. Yeah, and it's so exciting right now because you talk about the private and public sector, and we just had from our space coast, as everyone in the world was watching, as we started launching crewed missions from the space coast once again, you had Crew Dragon, Crew One, go up uh, this past Sunday, and now they're on the International Space Station. How special is something like that happening right now? Because you have NASA and SpaceX working together. We've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, it's a turning point in the space sector. Prior to earlier this summer with the, the Demo-2 mission that SpaceX did, there had only been governments launching astronauts orbitally. Virgin Galactic launched ga astronauts suborbitally, their own astronauts. But when it comes to launching people to the International Space Station, only Russia and the United States and China to their own space station have ever done that. So when you're talking about a mind shift now where commercial companies can be contracted by NASA and other government agencies, now we're seeing an Israeli uh, a government official that's going to be flying on the Demo-2 mission, I believe. Um, it might be not. No, actually, it's not Demo 2. I'm sorry. It's, it's uh, Axiom. Axiom is another private company, and they're going to be flying private missions. And so um, we, we do see, however, in this mission, dr dr uh, the, the Crew Dragon Crew 1 mission had a Japanese astronaut. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to be seeing all these um, people 
being able to go up in space that didn't previously have access. Not just NASA astronauts, but also astronauts from around the world, also private individuals, even rumors of Tom Cruise, uh, the, the actor, filming movie <laughs> in space. That's in my notes right now, because I was going to ask you about that. How in the world, because I just got through watching, they just did a live interview with the guys on station, right? And they're talking about how crowded it is right now because they have a full complement of astronauts up there, and that hasn't happened in quite some time. So how in the world do you get crews up there, you know, filming a movie? Because you need a crew, I would think, to, to have that done. How is that going to work? Well, I'm no expert in the film industry, but my understanding is that it will be probably bare bones. They are already familiar with all the cameras. The whole astronaut crew has cameras up there like crazy. If you ever look at the camera wall that they have, it's beautiful. So they are used to videography up there on Space Station. And I think it's just going to be, now this is rumored, there's nothing official yet, but it's just going to be Tom Cruise and one of the, the filmmakers that go up. And I don't know if they're going to send anyone else up that. Um, back in the, the 2000s, actually, I don't remember the exact year, there was a private astronaut, Richard Garriott. He actually flew uh, privately through a company called Space Adventures, and he actually filmed his own little mini kind of amateur uh, movie that was about nine minutes long. So this this uh, Tom Cruise movie will be the first like uh, large action movie that is filmed in space, unless the Russians also have plans to film a movie in space. They are right now oh. looking for an actress to fly up so they can also film a movie. So we're looking at the entertainment industry, um, some of the non-traditional space industry, uh, you know, companies that aren't usually associated with space now getting involved in space. Yeah, Laura, I would change my name to Olga. Yeah, I know. You want to be sent up there. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't hold my breath. But I'm curious. So when these people go up, I know the Tom Cruise thing, they're obviously going to have to pay to get up there. But when they send like a, a Japanese space person or an Israeli person up there, when that happens, are they paying a heavy price tag to be on that rocket and in that capsule? So the space station is a partnership between many different countries. And it's worked out between both NASA and the country. And also, since SpaceX is a private company and Axiom is a private company, it's also worked out between those companies and whoever they're flying. So we're seeing... Uh, not only some kind of interchange, for example, back in the shuttle era, we saw Russian cosmonauts flying on shuttle along with NASA astronauts so that NASA astronauts would also fly on Soyuz with the Russian cosmonauts as an exchange. But we're also going to be seeing kind of this, uh, this partnership with the commercial industry where uh, foreign governments are going to charge or going to pay money to these private companies, SpaceX, Axiom, Space Adventures, who, whoever else gets involved to fly their astronauts, not only to space station, but thinking beyond space station. Space station's been up there this year, just marked 20 consecutive years of humans living on board space station. So it's getting a bit old. It's still very operational, but it's going to be transitioning now to private industry being in low earth orbit. And so we're going to see private companies building their own space stations. So that's where the future is, is maybe it'll be outposts that aren't, uh, don't have people on them, or maybe it'll be um, private hotels, research labs in space. We just don't know how it's going to work out, but I, it's a bright future. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a gateway to a huge industry. And it seems like you are as a, a space consultant on the forefront of that uh, industry, because I don't think people would have the foresight to actually think, well, let me talk about businesses in space. That was some that's something that probably 30 years ago would have been laughable. But here we are talking about the things we're talking about. 
Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Back about 20 years ago, um, there was a private individual called Dennis Tito, and he um, he wanted to be a, a private individual who flew in space, and that was not looked on very seriously. He had to go to the Russians to have them fly him through the, that company I mentioned, Space Adventures. And now, just two decades later, we're seeing the shift in how people perceive the common person flying in space. And if you don't have the roughly 50 some million dollars to fly to the International Space Station, you can spend maybe a quarter of a million dollars somewhere in that range to fly suborbitally. So that is when you can fly on a vehicle that will take you up beyond the limit of where space begins and then bring you right back down. So you've got to spend about five minutes in space, which is going to be fantastic. There's companies named uh, Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin and a few others that are working on uh, creating this industry of flying just normal people, maybe, maybe some wealthy people, maybe people who can be sponsored by other companies to be able to fly suborbitally in space. And that'll really bring the perspective of seeing the Earth from above so you can really view our planet as it is globally rather than just individual countries. You'll see the entire globe. You'll see how fragile our environment is, how it's all interconnected. And you'll be able to float in space. So I personally, yes. I would love to do that. Oh, can you imagine floating <laughs> yeah. in space? I, I think it, that would it was be so just, cool. Oh, my God. And you must, uh, I don't know, they, uh, they just did the interview with the astronauts on, on, on station and, and Victor uh, Glover was just saying that you know he waited a day before he actually looked out the cupola window and saw the earth with no lines no separation no titles i mean i'm watching this interview and i'm about to cry thinking about it because i mean i wish we could all experience that because you know it's so contentious down here right now but when you can look at it from that view and see the importance of it as a whole for every human being it is just magical when you think about it that way god bless you <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah that no, i mean we we all won't get that opportunity to do to do that but it's just like uh, I would love to do that one day. That yeah. is the goal. So the <clears throat> sorry, I'm losing my voice here. No, you're good. The goal is for common people to be able to fly in space, just like we are able to fly on. <clears throat> I apologize. Oh my goodness. That's no, okay. You're just okay. like you and I can fly on an aircraft, maybe maybe not so easily these days than normal. But that's the goal: is to be able to be able to book a flight to space just as well as you can book a flight into you know an aircraft, and that's where we're heading. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when you and I are going to be able to afford it, but hopefully this is opening up it up. So the idea is that the private industry is going to be able to do what government has only been able to do in the past, and private industry can make it more affordable. For example, if you're talking about flying to the space station, I said $50 million, that's a rough estimate. The space station um, is a partnership between uh, United States, Russia, and several other countries. And Russia has been flying astronauts ever since the space shuttle retired in 2011. And Russia has been increasing the price that they charge NASA. So the last price that they charged NASA was $80 million. So if you see that price difference, it, the prices might go down the more SpaceX is able to fly. Boeing is another company that is contracted by NASA to fly astronauts to the space station. They have their Starliner 
It has not been certified yet, but hopefully next year we'll be able to see them be able to certify the Starliner and get to fly astronauts to space as well. So the more vehicles there are available to be able to fly, the more frequently it flies, the more it becomes um, something that we're used to doing, something that is, um, you know, with reusable technology, like landing rocket boosters onto the, the platforms that they have either in the ocean or on land, all these different cost savings will bring it down for the common person to be able to do it. And it's not just about um, filming movies. It's also about doing great science. So mm-hmm. being able to bring four additional people up to space station to make it a total of seven, all that fantastic science that is waiting to be done on space station that needs the microgravity environment or needs the radiation environment can now be done more rapidly. So that's another real benefit of bringing people up there is that humans can do science much more quickly and much more effectively than robots ever could. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to, uh, we've got some folks joining us here on our Facebook feed. Cam talking about that $250,000 or the 50K. He says, let me check my couch cushions. Hold on a sec. Let me see if I can get up there. Maybe uh, it's probably not approachable for too many of us, but it is interesting to see, uh, interesting how you brought up maybe sponsorships or that sort of thing. I also am fascinated by the fact that not only are more companies getting involved, there's more competition, the prices are getting somewhat reasonable or driven down, but I'm also fascinated by the fact of how many launches we have from the Space Coast right now. And I have to think with all of these engineers and all of these geniuses out here and these companies and these rockets, this has to be a real boon for the economy of the Space Coast, Laura. Is that what we're seeing right now? Yeah, if you remember when the space shuttle retired in 2011, just how much that hurt the economy in Central Florida. I I knew a lot of friends personally who lost their jobs, who had to move out of state to get new jobs or go leave the industry altogether. Um, And so this uh, resurgence of activity on the Space Coast has really been able to um, expand operations beyond what was possible previously. So now we just have um, not just NASA flying, not just ULA flying. We also have SpaceX, Blue Origin, Mm -hmm. um, so many other companies that are um, wanting to fly in the future that have contracts with the government. Um, NASA is um, in partnership with uh, the the Department of Defense. So they all jointly run the spaceport there. They also have a, a group called Space Florida, which is the, the state state entity that they partner with. So all these groups are trying to really increase activity on the Space Coast. And that brings more people, that brings more jobs, that brings more educational opportunities. And you, you mentioned a word there I want to touch on, geniuses. And I want to fight back on that because that's a misperception. Anybody can be involved in space. You do not need to be some top genius you don't need to be a scientist or engineer. Communicators such as yourself are needed. So all kinds of people are needed when you're talking about the space industry. And we want to make sure that people understand that space doesn't just touch this little area up here that's science fiction-y. Space touches all of us, whether we realize it or not, through broadcast and navigation and communications and Earth observation. Space is everywhere. Yeah. Okay, so Laura, if you are advising me because you're a consultant, <laughs> what can I do? I mean, I, I'm a journalist, right? Uh, I'm curious. I love knowledge. So what if I hey, this if isn't I came a job interview, Ginger? Okay, <laughs> like, what is this? 
What is happening right now? Matt, you can leave now. Uh, if I were typing up I, my resume and I had to put but it... Were, I mean, but you were talking to common people just like me. I don't have those advanced degrees like you were saying before we started this. How many, do, you know, are you an astrophysicist or what's your degree in? Yeah, Astrophysics okay. Astrophysics and planetary science, yes. All right. I'm English in theater. That's... <laughs> what, what, A lot of what, theater what, majors over that. there. That at is space. really, truly needed. I'm serious. We need people to get the word out to explain why this is important. We need journalists. We need communicators. We need people who have those kinds of theater skills to really get the word out to explain why we do what we do. And and also the, the humanity of it. Because space isn't this cold, dark place. We are going up there as human beings with these emotions and these like experiences and maybe engineers maybe some of them aren't the best ones to be able to speak to what that means um there's a, a carl sagan quote should have brought a poet it's from contact uh, <laughs> so we need those people to be able to really explain humanity and that's the beauty of this the the growing suborbital um is that we're going to be able to fly so many different types of people who will experience what's called the overview effect being able to see the planet from above and being able to then showcase what that means and imagine how that might change the world if we show people okay we're not just a bunch of countries we're one united planet earth and we're not just you know doing uh, things in silos we are all interconnected um and and we're seeing this with the pandemic but we're also um hopefully going to see it more with climate change we're going to be able to band mm. together as a globe to be able to solve global problems so don't downplay your skills we need them please stay in space Oh my gosh. Okay. And so the other thing that I, I found fascinating too, is that we had uh, the, uh, the two cosmonauts who were uh, doing a spacewalk this week and they were all, they were being helped by an American astronaut and they had to really learn how to communicate with each other. And they came up with some kind of crude language. I think I read it's like Runglish. Yeah. That started with the expedition about team. Runglish. So, uh, like I said, space station is a partnership. It's mainly between the United States and Russia. And so whatever languages you have up there, um, you're going to need to learn how to communicate with each other. And you can't just necessarily assume that people are going to understand English. And it's not just for Americans either. Um, it's really a global endeavor. So whoever you are, wherever you're coming from, we want to make sure that we are able to work together as a globe internationally. Yeah. Yeah, wrong, you know, we have one, we have things we have people called news consultants. So they come into newsrooms and they kind of, you know, assess what we're doing. And many of them have worked in news and have done our jobs. And you as a consultant, is it is it your goal to go to space? Is that something you think that would that you would do one day or you're better served just doing what you're doing right here? Oh, no, send me. <laughs> I've been wanting to go since I was a child. I volunteer. You don't have to pay me. I'll just go. <laughs> I'll go to the moon. Uh, away from Mars. I think Mars is a little far out there. But send me to the moon. So the Artemis program is going to send the first woman to the moon. And I totally volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> You're there. You're in. I love it. So, okay, so here you we can, are both in line. Yes. Uh, you can feel your passion about this. So I'm curious. Say in the next 15 years. Okay. What is the thing about space you are most excited? Because there's a lot out there. There's the asteroid mining. There's the possibility to get to Mars. Oh. What's the thing that keeps you excited at night when you're like staring at the ceiling? 
Oh my gosh. So there's so many possibilities of showing people how they can get involved in space. And that I think is where the passion is. I personally want to go. Yes. But I feel have a feeling that so many other people around the world don't think that they can access space. They don't think it's for them. And so the more people we're able to send up, and, and I guess for me, even though I'm a scientist, I, I do have that um, you know human perspective where I personally want to go. Um, but I, the more people who are able to access that, the more they'll realize just how much that is for them and just how much space is for humanity. And we don't realize we're in space, all of us, you and me. We are on a planet in a solar system in the greater galaxy, the Milky Way, in the greater universe. <laughs> and so we don't realize this, that space is really for all of us. And I think I want to, you know, I don't know if it'll happen in the next 15 years, but I want to hope that we can have a future where my children, our, our, our future descendants, will be able to look at ourselves differently, that we're not just, you know, we're not just human beings here in America. We are um, globally part of something larger than ourselves. And, and that ties us into even looking for life outside of our own planet and what we might discover about how the universe is made, um, the, the way that life evolves on other worlds if we happen to find mm -hmm. life elsewhere. Um, so that's what excites me. I don't know if it's going to be in the next 15 years, but um, hopefully in, within our life times we'll be able to answer some of these fundamental questions yeah that i mean the, to hear you talk about it you do forget sometimes we're walking around and we are on this ball that's spinning in space and it's it's quite incredible but to get out there and and to explore it even more and to open up the possibilities to to more people which is what you're saying and you know do you think we'll ever get to a place where it's not it's not commonplace or not routine, but I, I mean, will we be launching astronauts? You know, like Elon Musk is doing the, you know, the Starlinks. We, we have a launch like almost every other week. Do you feel like we'll get back to a place where weekly or monthly we are launching crewed missions uh, into space? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll go beyond that. I'm hoping that we launch them daily. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that we launch them not just from, you know, the Space Coast of Florida, but other operational spaceports, maybe elsewhere in Florida, maybe, or all around the country, all around the world. Um, so I want to get to a point where it's as common almost as air, you know, how many planes are flying right now? We don't even know. We, we can look up a, a software to help us track it. And that's, I hope, where we're going, is that we have so many space flights that it becomes almost boring because there's just so many. Um, uh, I, I really want us to get to that point where we can do so much more if we are able to access, you know, the space environment, whether that's Earth orbit, whether that is, you know, the lunar gateway, um, whether that is lunar surface, Mars, elsewhere. I want us to get beyond so that we are exploring the rest of our solar system and, and hopefully even leaving our solar system and doing interstellar travel. Um, we're not going to get there anytime soon, and it is very expensive, but that's where the commercial space industry comes in if they can make it profitable then it'll take off yeah yeah that's the key if you can make money make at it. oh yeah it's like we've we've seen with health so yeah, yeah. people start yeah, really churning out the dough uh that is fascinating so so you think in our lifetime okay so say we live another 40 years okay what i mean what do you what's what is the what why are you ginger why are you you don't think you're going to live another 40 Wait. years we're going to die in 40 years. Is that what I'm hearing? Do the math, Gigi. <laughs> Do the math. All right. I'm going with averages. We're talking to a scientist and she's good with numbers. Say we live another 40 years. What What do you think we'll see? Like, I know that there, are there estimates out there of where we can get what we can do? Like, what, what do you what, or what's just your opinion? Where do you think we'll be at that point? 
Yeah, so we're going to have multiple space stations. Um, they won't necessarily be government. Some of them might be, some of them will be commercial. Um, and, and it will be more international. There'll be in more international partnerships. We have already international treaties that hold countries together to different norms. And we're starting to expand that now with something called the Artemis Accords that um, the United States is uh, working with other countries right now to get more collaboration and uh, you know ways to work together. Um, we are also going to see much more utilization of um, satellites whether that is for Earth observation and the different applications of Earth observation that maybe we haven't even thought of yet. Um, maybe it is for communications, such as Starlink. Um, SpaceX is working on Starlink to bring satellite to the masses, and there are several other companies trying to do the same. And that is also going to change our night sky, which is a bit controversial. And as a, an astronomer, I have to say, we are, there, there's going to have to be some kind of compromise there as to how we change the night sky when we're talking about satellites. We already see satellites going overhead you can look mm -hmm. and see the space station fly overhead if you have um, you know, space station alerts, as I do. Um, but even other uh, satellites, you can see Starlink trains, they're called, going across the sky. It's going to change the outlook. Um, so we're going to be more aware of activity in space. The common person who might not even know that we have activity in space is going to be able to see these satellites. Um, it's also gonna bring us closer together even more so. So I think that this pandemic has shown us that we don't need to fly around the globe to be connected. We can connect with anyone anywhere. And this kind of activity in space is gonna allow for that. We're gonna have the common person being able to go in space. So you don't have to be the elite of the elite. You don't have to be a genius. You, you maybe not even have to be wealthy. You'll be able to go and fly, um, you know, I, I don't know how low they'll get the prices, but hopefully they'll be able to get them low enough that they'll be able to do something called point-to-point -point transportation, which is like taking a suborbital space flight as a, a plane and fly halfway across the world very quickly within just a couple of hours. So that's the kind of future we're thinking of. And it's all to benefit life on Earth. You don't really um, necessarily need to think of it as uh, something that is so science fiction-y or something for the elite to make money, it's actually to benefit people here on Earth, the different ways we can use technology, thinking of how the internet has brought us together, thinking about how GPS satellites run our world and we don't even think about it because yeah. we're so used to the, the timestamps and the navigation that we don't even know how much satellites affect us on a daily basis. So all the space activity that we do is to benefit our lives here. And it'll bring about other technology increases in medications and, and, and uh, the different ways that we can use technology and material science to benefit human health, human life, um, all the different ways that we live and work on a, a daily basis. That's the goal, at least. I was yeah, hoping you I'm were going to say about Jupiter 2060. We didn't even have five years ago, Laura, when we're talking about, you know, re did you ever think we'd come to a day where we'd be reusing rockets and seeing boosters land on a drone ship and then we can use those again? I We see that. And you're right. It's like it's the first time it happened. It's like, whoa, you know, mind blown. And then the 20th time it happens, like, oh, there's it, it, there. It's fine. You know, but it's still just as exciting. You know, we are living in very interesting times. 
Yeah, it is a beautiful time to get involved. So if any students out there who want to get involved, don't think it's not for you. Because again, it is for you no matter what background you have. You can be of any kind of background, any kind of inclination. You don't need to be a math genius, I promise you. And you can get involved in space. And that's the beauty of it, is opening it up to everybody, allowing everyone to realize that space is for them, no matter who they are and where they live. Yeah, and I bet you have a lot of people right now because the pandemic has really forced people to do a major pivot and people are making life choices, uh, different life choices and career choices. And you, I, I love that you're speaking to maybe some college kids and possibly kids even younger than that who never saw themselves as, you know, someone who could work you know, in outer space or work with a, a space project. I, I feel like it's just so hopeful and there's so much more to be done and that can be done. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to necessarily do those jobs. Yeah, diversification of thought is so important. So sometimes a certain group of people can get stuck in a rut and that's where the invention of, of comes in, where you have outsiders, different perspectives. And, and that is also a testament to diversifying the workforce in other ways, uh, gender and racial and economic and um, you know the, the different ways that we can really bring interesting ideas to the forefront and progress humanity forward is by bringing not like-minded people together, but people who have similar goals to really benefit everybody. Um, so if you have somebody out there who maybe, um, let's just going to throw this out there, who works in agriculture and has a brilliant idea of how to change their crops using the radiation in space, and I'm not just making this up, this is a true thing, this is what they do, um, there may be this person who works in agriculture with no space background at all can figure out a way to use space for their benefit to feed the masses. And that mm -hmm. is the beautiful thing, is that you don't need to have a traditional space background to get involved in space and you can make a true difference. Yeah, that people are thinking me. of the Martian. We're not just all going to be eating potatoes. <laughs> yeah, in space. that's true. It reminds me of Armageddon, where those, uh, where the oil drillers got to go to space. You know, one day uh, we'll all get to get up there. We're gonna, we got, we have to have newscasting on Mars. So one of us. <laughs> is going to get to go. Laura, this has been a fantastic conversation. It really, I like when someone like you uh, is just so excited about it. I think it gets the rest of us excited about it. You also have probably the coolest background we've ever had on our show. So I appreciate that as well. Thank you so much for joining us today on Florida's Fourth Estate. It's been great. Thank you for having me on. I'll call you later. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Ginger's updating her resume right now. You're going to get <laughs> anytime. <laughs> expect her cover oh letter in gosh. the mail. Yeah, this has been a, a fun one. Thank you guys for joining us. We really appreciate it. All right. Yep. This is another edition of Florida's Fourth Estate. Have yourself a fantastic week.